Welcome back to That's Ancient History and wow does it feel weird to be saying that after about a year off on hiatus. You may or may not have noticed and that's completely alright either way but I know that I am super excited to be back and so is my co-host for today Jill Scott. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> she is back, you probably recognise her voice from a few of our past episodes actually. What ones were you in? I was in the sci-fi fantasy one. My favourite. <laughs> and I was in one with our friend Harriet about travelling to ancient sites. And I was in film. Film part one. Film part one. It was part one. Part two has not been discussed, <laughs> um, but it's in the works now. It's in the works. There's plenty of classic cinemas for us to talk about. And if you are new to the podcast, then you might not know me and I'm Jean Mingus. So welcome back. Welcome back to listening to us ramble about ancient Greece and ancient Rome and possibly some other ancient civilizations too. But since this is the first episode of season five, and we're coming back, like I mentioned, after a short hiatus just caused by the sort of general instability of the world over the past year, I thought it might be a fun one to start off with something a bit more relaxed, a bit more casual, and that also answers some of your questions. So tell us what your fantastic idea was, Jill. My idea was to use Google, (laughs) that lovely source we all use to answer every question we ever have anymore, Um, and we would just type in the start of a question, like what did the ancient Greeks dot 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 and see what the most googled questions are to do with this so they'll probably be along the lines of what why where when yes to do with ancient Greek ancient Greek myth the Greeks and we'll see what google what people type into google and we'll try and guess the answer or we'll try and give the right answer hopefully (laughs) hopefully also guessing and we'll see if google's right Yes, we'll see what they say in contrast. And see what strange and wonderful things everyone Googles (laughs) about the ancient Greece. All the things people don't know you Google. I love this. There's a game, a board game called Weird Things Humans Search For. And Mm -hmm. it's a bit like this in that you have to guess what people have been searching for. So maybe it would be fun actually for us to guess before we do the Googling what people are searching for, what what topics when it comes to ancient Greece. Because we are focusing in here on Greece. We'll probably do Rome in a future episode here um but what what do you think people will be saying well i just want to say for first of all i think we should rename your podcast for a minute called that's ancient google (laughs) oh my god i love it that is at least the title of this episode (laughs) that's brilliant yes thank you that was that's so good (laughs) continue (laughs) yeah what do you think people mean googling for like what do you think people search for when they search about ancient greece because i think particularly when you're our stage in learning about antiquity when you've done a degree when you've done a lot of reading yourself you sort of forget what the questions you used to have were yeah i think a lot of people will come across names of greek people or Mm. people from ancient greek myth and they'll be like who it'll be who is Mm. who is penelope who is so and so but for what the ancient greeks or when the ancient greeks i don't know i can't i mean maybe just questions as simple as who were the ancient who were the ancient greeks i wonder if there'll be a few questions about the olympic games yes possibly olympic games probably sex questions (laughs) probably sex questions (laughs) well there's plenty of answers let's not lie um probably things to do with the first of something like Mm. the first ancient greek to do this or when did ancient greece first do this yes first do that 
and probably mythological questions as well. Probably a lot of ancient myth questions. And we have written down some ideas of how we're going to start our Google searches. We don't know ahead of time what we're getting ourselves in for, but we have the classic in ancient Greece dot dot dot, followed by in ancient Greek myth dot dot dot, or just in Greek myth dot dot dot. Then some more specifics, which are why did the ancient Greeks dot dot dot, did the ancient Greeks dot dot dot, when did the ancient Greeks dot dot dot, and where did the ancient Greeks? Honestly, no idea what that's going to result. Where in. did the ancient? Where did the ancient Greeks? How did you even? <laughs> where did the ancient Greeks go to the toilet? I never thought of that. That, that it could happened. be. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but shall we just jump straight in? See what we get. Go. Okay, so we'll start, start with off. the simple one in ancient Greece. So. In ancient Greece, oh, and the first question we come up with is, in ancient Greece, who was allowed to vote? I immediately am drawn to this question and kind of love this question, because for those of you who don't know, uh, my specialist subject, as they say, um, my whole PhD research deals with the Athenian democracy. And Athens was the only Greek city-state to have a full-fledged democracy in terms of how it ruled its citizens. So realistically, I guess, they're the only Greek city-state who had anyone that was allowed to vote at all. Because if you live under a monarchy or oligarchy, I suppose you might have voting within very, very small communities, like in the Republic of Rome, but you wouldn't really have your ordinary citizens voting. So I was going to just answer this in terms of Athens. I was going to guess men. (laughs) Honestly, Jill just summed up, but not all men. Not all men. Do you know which men couldn't vote? Slaves. No slaves. Correct. Um, oh, this is going back for me. I've not mm. done like ancient Athens or ancient Greece politics in years and years. Um, did you have to meet a certain quota of money? No, so you didn't. Um, but you had to be a citizen, so you couldn't. Citizen, you yeah. can be an alien, was yeah. what they called it. Yeah, a metic. So, mm-hmm. um, a foreigner or a metic or an alien, um, basically somebody who had settled in Athens but wasn't born there, um, and didn't have citizen parents because to be a citizen you also had to have citizen, citizen parents. parents. Yeah. So basically, you had to be a male of citizen birth that was registered. Um, as a citizen because it was a citizen registry so you would have to be on the registry um, and um, well not a slave or a woman so fun uh, not the best democracy I have to say in terms of but representation at least, at least it was kind of one <laughs> compared to other places I mean closer than the monarchies yes it was it's all about comparing <laughs> in terms of like an ideology that um, people should vote for who rules them I like it in terms of who could vote I don't like it um, but it is really interesting in terms of the history of democracy because democracy is an ancient Greek word. Um, and everyone associates the beginnings of democracy with the ancient yeah. world, with ancient Greece. Yeah, and realistically, Britain, for example, considered itself a democracy for a long, long time before working class men or women could vote. Yeah. So only, well, like the, the gentry could vote, a bit like how only citizens It was held as vote. a high standard of look at what us were so... Yeah. Free thinking. So this is not novel. You're the same as thousands of years ago, really. <laughs> to be fair, uh, Victorian uh, Britain loved to compare itself to ancient Greece. It very much did in everything. <laughs> so maybe that's what they were going for, yeah. Um, so that is a really interesting one, an interesting question. But yeah, if you don't know what democracy means, Jill? Oh, God. <laughs> Do you want me to go for it? Yes. It means rule of the people, so... I knew it was the people! Yeah. Um, I would like to say it has been like seven years, eight years since I did my degree, six years. 
Well, I still think you've stored a lot up there. I've stored some, but other things filter through. I'm just testing you. Uh, okay, so I guess we can move on now. We've, we've covered that. We've answered that. Or do you want to see what Google I want to see says? what other ones are. Oh, yeah, we should maybe see what Google okay. says. In ancient Greece, who was allowed to vote? So the first thing that comes up is obviously the Wikipedia entry um, on Athenian democracy. So it's automatically gone to Athens like we did. Um, where it says only adult male Athenian citizens who had completed their military training as Ephebes had the right to vote in Athens. The percentage of the population that actually participated in the government was 10 to 20% of the total number of inhabitants, but this varied from the 5th to the 4th century. That's very specific. Um, well, actually, one thing I will say as well that, that just uh, made, me, made me think of is that all those people could obviously vote, that small group of men could all vote, but they wouldn't all be voting on everything because lots of things um, would have been held in different courts and there would have been a limit of how many people could get in and it would be the first people to turn up that day, basically. <laughs> Which is fun. <laughs> first come, first serve for the first vote. Man. Yep. <laughs> Who cares the most? Joe, read us our second question. The top one, in ancient Greek myth, who is Hippolyta? <gasps> Tell us, Joe, who is Hippolyta? What? I can remember of her is she's involved in the myth of Heracles. She's an Amazon and... Who were the Amazons? Jill. Oh, Jill. <laughs> the Amazons were a group of women. Yes. Female warriors who basically only cared about females. Yep. In the myth. And they were renowned as being these really fierce, amazing warriors. Better than everybody except Achilles and his Marmodons. They were kind of on par, I think, in the Iliad. I think it's the Iliad they feature in. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're mentioned right, as yeah. coming to Troy to help. Um, and they're kind of on par with him and his myrmidons. But apart from that, they're pretty unbeatable. Daughters of Ares. And they're, yeah, they're fantastic. Sure, there was, was there not mentioned that um, they only really want female children? Yes, yeah, I think they used to... They get um, rid of their boys. Yeah, have sex with men um, in nearby villages, then go home with their pregnant bellies. Then yeah. uh, when they gave birth, if they gave birth to boys, they would get rid of them. And if they had girls, they would keep them. Nice change. <laughs> yeah, not common. So in this band of words, Hippolyta was one. And it was one of Heracles' labours yes. to get her girdle, belt... I think it used to be classed as a girdle... Um, obviously, probably from Victorian times, because <laughs> women don't do anything else. Um, but I think it's actually a belt. Yeah. Or a, or a sort. No, it's a. I'm sure it's a belt. So yeah, like it would have been something that was around her waist. Yeah. But have you ever heard of the interpretation, which I always think is really interesting, in that when it talks about Heracles having to retrieve the girdle of Hippolyta mythology, it's actually referencing her virginity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really interesting. So it's like he had to get her girdle, but what it really meant was he had to have sex with her. Yeah. So in the myth, he forcefully uh, takes her against her own will. As happens so often in Greek myth. Oh my goodness, it happens far too often. Heracles is far too often a perpetrator of it, um, and this is just one of those examples. Yes. Um, but it's, that, it's one of his labours was to get her belt, girdle, yeah. and he, he, had he obviously does. Yes, <laughs> he had 12 labours in total. Um, which he had to complete in order to um, make up for the fact that he murdered his wife and children. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember what happened. I think she kind of, after he gets it, I think he, does he seduce her to get it? or do, I can't remember. But I think he, he ends up taking it or she gifts it to, or there's a thing where she gifts it to him. Yeah, like a moment she falls in love with him. That I mean, that is also it rings very a bell. common in, in Greek mythology. And then he kind of sails away with it and leaves her behind. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. 
Shall we shall we check what the internet says? But yes, but yeah, definitely Hippolyta is one of the labours to get her yes. get her girdle. This is true. So okay, according to um, Google, it's Heracles' ninth labour specifically. Um, so in uh, the original myth, he was sent to retrieve it. Um, and in most versions of the myth, apparently, uh, Hippolyta was so impressed with Heracles that she gave him the girdle without argument, perhaps while visiting him on his ship. Um, so actually, perhaps, no, no. So in some versions, she was abducted. So it varies in terms of whether um, she gave it consensually or not. And then, yes, there are versions where Theseus joins Heracles in his expedition. Um, and in some of those versions... Um, ah, Theseus was planning on marrying Hippolyta, but instead marries Phaedra, as we know from mythology, um, and Hippolyta attacks him in revenge and ends up dead. Okay. Fun times for Hippolyta. It's also interesting, though, the fact that it's been interpreted as a girdle or a mm. belt, because a belt makes sense to me, considering she's Amazon, they're warriors. Of course she's going to have a belt, yeah. she's going to need somewhere to hang all her cool armour and all our swords and daggers and whatnot, and that's kind of stripping her off that. Yeah, I wonder that if it's version just... of her got to make her more feminine. Yeah, wonder if it's just like you say as well, like girdles were associated with women as opposed to belts. Yeah. So when this these early translations into English were being written, yeah, women would wear were... belts. <laughs> girdle, <laughs> of course yeah. it's a girdle. <laughs> Sexism in classics. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Uh... <laughs> Next question. Uh, why? Did the ancient Greeks cross the road? No. Uh, why did the ancient Greeks create myths, Jill? Oh. <laughs> why does anybody create myths? I know. Or a creation story? Why does religion exist? Yes. I mean. It's just a way to interpret and understand the world around them. That's exactly. what I think. Yeah. I, I think assume. in its most basic sense, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Especially... Um, in times when it was harder to um, ascertain tangible reasons for things, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense that people would attribute a storm to a god. Yeah. Um, or... Zeus is angry again. Exactly. Hephaestus is building something exactly. new, that's why that's rumbling underneath our feet. And it's kind of impossible to say, like, why did they create myths? Um, but I mean. Or why did they create specific myths? Yeah. I mean, I can think of why, how they use them. They, like, mm-hmm. use them as a, as a sort of method of passing on traditions, but also a method of control, a method of understanding themselves. But why and when those came to be, who knows? Especially given how much overlap there is between different cultures, mythologies. Yep. So many similar themes crop up, regardless of where you are in the world and what period of time you are in history. There's just a lot, a lot of overlap, so... Yeah, I mean, this is just honestly way too big a, like, <laughs> theological question. But I want to know what Google says. But it's says. a way to understand the world. It is. Uh, so let's see, what did Google say? Why did the ancient Greeks create myths? Um, according to Google, myths are stories created to teach people about something important and meaningful. The ancient Greeks believed that they had to pray to the gods for help and protection because if the gods were unhappy with someone, then they would punish them. I mean, I think Google is also struggling with the theological aspect of that is. question. <laughs> I think it is, but we're we're kind of on we're kind of on the same side there. Uh, would you like to type the next question, Joe? What um, is the next question, Jane? Did the ancient Greeks, <laughs> which I have no idea what to expect from, did ancient Greece and Rome overlap? Yes, yes, they did. Doesn't everyone know that? <laughs> well, no, apparently not. 
I think, first, first of all, there's problems with this question. One, Rome was an empire ruled by an emperor, eventually. There was a republic before, but Rome was a, was a body. It was a citizen body. Mm-hmm. Greece was not a citizen body. No. Greece is just what we refer to as all of the city Islands. Yeah, as, as city-states and islands that currently take up what is considered modern Greece and who shared similar language and religion, but they were separate city-states. So they all had their separate governments like Athens and Sparta and Thebes. So it's different to Rome yeah. in that sense. But Rome and Greece coexist and the Greek culture coexisted. coexisted. Always. Rome did go over, invade, yeah. take over parts of Greece, certain islands, certain states, probably not all of them. But they didn't all start speaking Latin. It no. was still Greece. They assimilated cultures because the yes. Romans were great at that. Oh my god, the Romans just stole everybody else's culture rather than make up their own. Yep. <laughs> we like that, we'll have it, we'll rename it. Yep, exactly. And then you have a whole series of Roman emperors like Hadrian who basically model themselves as a Greek philosopher. As a Hellenic. Yeah. Like, Greece became this sort of bastion of um, sort of philosophical knowledge. Just that, like we do with Greece and yeah. Rome now. We hold up to this. Yeah, absolutely. It's exactly the past same. Past days. And Rome did that as well. Yeah. I guess you could think of there was a period where the, some of the Greek city-states held more power. There was um, an empire under the Athenians. Um, and then there was a period where Rome was more powerful. But they certainly never um, sort of eradicated one another. Um, Greece, I guess, came first in terms of ancient Greek civilizations in Athens and Sparta mm-hmm. predate the rise of Rome anyway. Yeah. But definitely predate the Roman Empire. Definitely Roman Empire. I mean the Roman Empire doesn't exist until the first century no. AD. Um, but there was a Roman Republic before then, um, and then even further before then, Rome was just a much smaller state. There was the yeah. Etruscans, which were also um part of Italy. It's just way too complicated. So they, they've always coexisted. They overlap. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> it's funny because I think you do hear about ancient Greece and ancient Rome though as if they're almost like... Separate entities. Yeah. Or maybe like you might think there were the ancient Egyptians, then there were the ancient Greeks, yeah. then there were the ancient Romans and it, that's just not how history yeah. works. And when you fir- I remember when I first started to learn that, oh, this happened at the same time as mm. this and this happened and Rome happened at the same time as the historical Jesus. And... It yes. just baffled, baffled me. Yes, because you, you do think of them as separate entities. So I can sympathise with that question. It's a good question. Um, okay, so next up. I just want to say, oh, do you one, of, a... one of the questions is actually, did ancient Greece have chocolate? And I really need to know this answer. Okay, I'm, yes, I'm so. guessing no. I don't think so, but let's see. But I want to see what Google says. Did ancient Greece have chocolate? Chocolate and sugar didn't exist. We were right. Da, da. High five. My degree is worth something. Uh... Because oranges, lemons, tomatoes, potatoes, and rice had not been discovered. Salt, however, was available. This is a random list of things. Uh, one thing I will say is that from what I recall learning about ancient eating habits was that their sweet tooth was effectively satiated using honey and figs. Those were the, the biggest ones. So next question is, when did ancient... I've spelled it wrong. <laughs> ancient Greece start? <laughs> Never. There is no ancient Greece. <laughs> well, we've already established that there is no such thing in antiquity truly as ancient Greece. There was lots of different cultures. They all have their own history. Um, but when you study ancient Greece, you typically are studying the period from around 900-800 BC until the Roman Empire invades effectively. Yeah. Um, prior to that, what 
we have um, evidence for is the Mycenaean civilization. It's archaeological, mostly. Exactly. There was no ancient Greek writing. So these are civilizations that share a lot in common with uh, a lot of the sort of classical Greeks that we think of, but also had a lot, a lot of differences and if, in, including the language that they wrote in. But if you think of it in terms of when does ancient Greek literature start and ancient Greek um, writing start, the earliest stuff we have is like Homer and Hesiod, which dates back to like the seven, six hundreds, I believe. Don't ask me specific dates. I wonder what uh, Google would have said to that one. And um, the term ancient or archaic Greece refers to the years 700 to 480 BC. I wouldn't necessarily say that ancient and archaic are synonymous, but nope. I mean, similar starting point to us. Um, and then the classical age uh, begins in 480 to 323, which then is preceded, this isn't in Google, but I will tell you, is preceded by the Hellenistic era. But those are three eras that we attribute to yeah, we've history. Made, we've named them. Yeah, we've categorized those time periods. We've isolated those periods. Yeah. We've named them. They mean something to us. They yeah. would not have meant this to the people. <laughs> and then we get the time. And they're largely based on architectural and art styles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that question, which means we have one more question on our list, Jill. Would you like to type that one out? So where did the ancient Greek gods live? <gasps> Nowhere. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> In Olympus. In Olympus. Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus is a place to be if you are a deity. That's true. Oh, well, I suppose they don't all live on Mount Olympus, They though. don't. Hades is not up there. He, he's down in the underworld. Persephone's down there with him. Um, and it's pretty fluid, considering half of them just roam around earth quite exactly so in a, in a corp, corporal corp, corporeal corporeal form <laughs> in a mortal form yes um so i guess um olympus is home base <laughs> yeah i guess it is <laughs> i suppose <laughs> olympus is kind of what christianity would think of as heaven yeah, but, but, but that right? we don't go to heaven. Uh, mortals don't go to Olympus. No. It's, it's just so separate. But it's always kind of visualised. It's in the sky. As it being in the sky in the clouds. Yeah, because in ancient Greek religion, people don't go to Olympus. They go. They all go to the underworld. Mm-hmm. They might just end up in a worse or better part of the underworld. Yeah. There's the Elysian Fields. There's Tartarus. Um, but only the gods live in Olympus. Only, yeah, only yeah. the gods. To be fair, that's pretty standard of Greek religion, uh, ancient Greek religion, that only really the ancient Greek gods get anything good out of life, not mortals. Yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> what a note to finish on. I wonder what the I wonder what people who believed in them actually thought Olympus was like. It must be in the text. Like, is it like a temple in the sky? Do each of the gods have their own house up there? Jill. Jill. <laughs> These are questions that nobody knows, but I'm quite interested. They all have terraced villas. <laughs> With a pool. <laughs> it's hot in Greece. Uh, yes. So that is where they live. Although they do come to Earth a lot of the time and cause no end of trouble. Havoc. Absolutely. Mostly for women. Yeah, mostly for women. And their babies. Oh, God. <laughs> I would not like to get on the wrong side of a Greek god. No. I wouldn't want to get on the right side of one either because it always quickly goes wrong. Yeah, just stay away from the Greek gods. That's the, the, the lesson. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, Jill knows the drill. Don't you, Jill? Jill knows the drill. Jill knows the drill. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you'll know that we always finish on a question for the guest. And even if you're a regular co-host, Jill, you're still the guest. Um, I'm still in charge and I'm going to be asking you for a book recommendation. So recommend us a book, Jill. It can be on anything. It can be non-fiction, fiction, ancient literature, modern literature. We don't care. Just give us some reading. So I'm going to recommend... Uh, this was a hard one because 
obviously we're putting questions into Google about ancient world, so there's nothing specific to that. Yeah. And it's also, there's been a wide variety of questions about different things. Yeah. I haven't read much on, like, the politics of Athens, unlike some people. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to recommend a book that is a non-fiction book about part of the ancient world, and it is called The Darkening Age by Catherine Nixie. Mm -hmm. And it is about... It's about religion in the ancient world, I guess, because it's about the, the the Christian destruction of the pagan world, I suppose, that the ancient Greeks, their, their religion that they had. It's about how when um, the Roman Empire changed to Christianity and then when they made, well, they tried to make all of their, um, I don't know, areas, all of their, mm. everywhere they owned, basically, mm. everywhere they, every country that they now ran, they tried to turn it into Christianity mm. and it was about that for Greece basically they'd lived years and mm. years following this pagan yeah. religion and now suddenly Christianity that does sound interesting and it's very interesting in the way that it shows like we all know how um, Rome's been shown to be this like terror on Christians mm. which is true they were horrible to Christians yeah, yeah. in the um, Colosseums and yeah. Hor- absolutely horrible. They did horrific things, and there's no denying that. But there's this other side where certain areas of Christianity, certain churches or certain bishops, mm. whatever you want to call it, were were the same yes. for people that were more that were now seen as pagans. Yeah. And there was a kind of scourge of them. Yeah. Especially in places like Alexandria, I think's mentioned a lot. Ah. Um, yeah, it was it was really inter- it was a really interesting take on it, and I think the author is actually she was raised in a very religious household, like a very okay. Christian yeah. religious household, and her parents, um, I think one of her parents is even, like in the church, yeah, um, so she was raised with a very religious family, and so her take on it, is quite nice because it's not mm. like somebody that's atheist coming in and saying oh the the Christians are terrible look yes. at what they did, so it's it, it is good because she gives you that kind of balance yeah she's not she's not blaming any but she's just saying let's look at it from this point mm. of view because we already know this story mm-hmm. let's look at the other side that, that and then let's look at them together it's, re- it's very readable yeah because i'm not big on religion um so but for me yeah it was really really interesting okay okay that's going on my tv very accessible to people even that are not i don't have degrees in this <laughs> i do feel obligated now though to mention a couple of books about athenian democracy i think i think dig. you should after a dig, so I'm not going to go into detail, but if you'd like some further reading, I'd suggest uh, The Class Struggle in Ancient Greece um, by G.M. Destecois, um, which is originally written in French, but has been translated into English, and I'd also recommend for an accessible, easy book on the subject, Democracy by Paul Cartledge, who is just an all-round very accessible historian who's written on a lot of topics, so yeah, those would probably be my first two ports of call for that subject area. Um, and I'm going to mention another book. Oh, are you? I am indeed. Oh. That's just for general tidbits <laughs> on the ancient world, a little inside. It's for children, really, but anybody, anybody can read it. I've read it. It's very good, even though I technically should know half of the information. <laughs> and it is um, a book by DK, which does a lot of reference books for children. <laughs> and it's called Greek Myths, subject title. There you go. And it is written by our very own host, Jean. <laughs> She did the writing for it, and it's a great starter for anybody that's interested or anybody that just wants to have mm. a collection of the basics, along with some beautiful illustrations. I can't remember the illustrator. You will Katie tell Ponder. me. Katie Ponder. Katie Ponder. Yes. Um, and it's just a beautiful book to have if you're interested in this area. 
it's good for if you have kids, if you've got nieces or nephews. Mm. Um, it's just nice, nice starter book. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that plug, plug Jill. Shamelessly plugging you. I swear I did not pay her. Okay. Um, but yeah, that did that happened whilst we were off air, but I actually brought out my first book on Greek mythology aimed at 7 to 11 year olds, but like Jill mentioned, you can read it if you're older, called Greek Myths, Meet the Heroes, Gods and Monsters of Ancient Greeks. Mm. And you do. You do meet them. I love that. Um, but I think that that's all for now, isn't it? Yeah, it was fun. But weird getting back into it. It was a nice start, a nice okay. fun, easy start. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way to get back into it. Um, let us know um, if you'd like to request any future episodes uh, with myself or Jill. Uh, we are on Twitter at That's Ancient, because That's Ancient History is too long for a Twitter handle. Um, but we'll see you over there. And until next time... Happy learning about antiquity. Happy Googling.